Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Well, hey, this week, there it is. We're starting a new series. Uh, In God We Trust, question mark. (laughs) That question mark is kind of the key. We'll we'll be talking about that in a few minutes. Uh, But that's the... uh, that's the warm-up. Uh, speaking of questions, you may have questions. We're doing a two-week series on money. And uh, <laughs> first question might be, why are we talking about money at church? Uh, or maybe, uh, I don't know, does money have anything to do with my relationship to God? Uh, or maybe some of you out there are going, is this a fundraising effort? Is that why we're... Because <laughs> sometimes that's the only reason people talk about money in church. Well, I will say that in preparing for this, I always kind of knew that money kind of influenced us. Money uh, has an effect on a lot of our lives. But I will tell you, I, uh, I was uh, convicted, uh, convinced that money has a lot more to do with our lives than maybe we, we recognize. And maybe has a lot more to do with our spiritual life uh, than we recognize. So that's going to be the focus today. Uh, I want to start with just a personal note at one time, I was a very rich man. Uh, I had a lot of money in my possession. Uh, not that many years ago, about 12 years ago now. Uh, it's gone now, uh, but just thought I'd open with that to let you know I've been on, I've had a lot in my hands. Uh, in fact, 12 years ago, uh, I, I had this bill in my hand right here. There it is. It's, uh, it's showing up there, but there it is. I had $50 million dollars. One bill right here from Zimbabwe. And I mention that only because money can be absurd at times. Uh, $50 million. I want you to note on here, issued 2nd of April, 2008. Use, pay the bearer until June 30th. So you got two months to spend that $50 million. Then it's worth nothing. Uh, That's how crazy the monetary system was in Zimbabwe when we were living in Africa. That's the year we left Africa, it was 2008. It got worse, uh, if you can believe it. Same year, but it got worse. Uh, We would go to the grocery store. We took a trip to Zimbabwe 2007, uh, and uh, we had to take $31 million to the store. Uh, That paid for just some basics for the week. Uh, This was a year later, got much worse. Later that year, inflation. You think we have an inflation problem? Whew. They wouldn't even post prices in the stores because the prices would go up sometimes once or twice every day. Their inflation rate was over 100% a month. I mean, it was absurd. How high did it get? What, uh, you know, did it get to a billion? No, no, 100. (laughs) That's where I was a very rich man. I have that right here. I'll sell this to you. More than uh, the American uh, currency in the world, $100 trillion. Uh, There it is. Kind of absurd. Again, issued in 2008. Uh, They finally imploded. They're now in the U.S. dollar. Uh, Still very poor. But but just think about the absurdity of (laughs) that as money. What what backs that? What does money mean? Um, But the sad thing is it affected millions of lives that ridiculous uh, monetary system. Well, just kind of threw that out there for a little intro. I'll also start with a couple of quotes here about money. Maybe one of these will resonate with you more than others. 
but here's one. Money, money often costs too much. That's uh, it's a good philosophy about money. Ralph Waldo Emerson spent a lot of time thinking about that one. Well, money often costs too much. Number two, here's the second one. Too many people spend money they've earned to buy things they don't really want to impress people they don't like. Uh, you know, kind of laugh at that, but I wonder how true that is sometimes. You know, we, do we buy stuff just to impress? Do we buy stuff? Uh, what's, our, what's our connection there? And then third, uh, I love money. I love everything about it. I bought some pretty good stuff. Got me a $300 pair of socks. Got a fur sink. Uh, electric dog polisher. Gasoline-powered turtleneck sweater. Uh, and, of course, I bought some dumb stuff, too. Maybe wondering what great philosopher said that. Well, yeah, it's this Steve Martin. There it is. Pretty, pretty profound. And then finally, this money quote. Money is the root of all evil. Well, you know that one. Who's, who said that? No one. That is probably the most misquoted money <laughs> verse in the Bible. Uh, we'll get to that one as well. But uh, that was just kind of a warm-up. Uh, hey, I think sometimes our, our background with money... Uh, affects how we deal with money now. I don't know how you grew up in your household with money, but I'm guessing the way your family, your parents treat or treated money uh, influences you. Uh, certainly true in my case. Both my parents grew up during the Depression, were teenagers during the Depression. Anybody that knows people that grew up in that time period know that money shaped lives uh, a lot, the way they looked at money, treated money. Um, my parents were polar opposites, the way they looked at money. You know, they both came out of the same experience, but they looked at money differently. Uh, my dad was, uh, made a pretty good living. Uh, he was a generous guy. He didn't, uh, you know, he used money a lot. Uh, he was, uh, in some good ways. Uh, maybe spent too much on things that he shouldn't have, but that was his kind of view of money. It's to be used, it's to be enjoyed, it's to be generous. My mom, on the other hand, was on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, she was so determined uh, that money was going to be her security that she wrote everything down, every penny she spent. I remember even in her 70s, um, she had plenty, but she would write down everything she spent. Beauty salon, twelve fifty plus a dollar tip. She'd have the date on there. And literally everything she spent, every, every time she pulled out money, um, she would write it down. Um, neither of those are wrong or bad, but they do express a wide spectrum of how we may look at or treat uh, money. Well, kind of goes without saying, but the more I looked at this, again, how much money impacts all of our life. Uh, certainly our job, easy one to, yeah, our job is how much money do you make? What, uh, are we looking for another job that gives us more money? You know, am I getting an education so I can get a better job? I mean, money dictates our job world, our career path, all those things. So money, a huge part. And I already mentioned uh, marriage, but add that to family. Sometimes the way that we look at money in our marriages or our family can have a negative impact on, you know, uh, priorities, how you spend your money. Do you go into debt? Uh, how do you treat all those things? Can can wreak havoc in a marriage or in a family. Um, and then just parenting. I looked it up a few days ago. What, what's it cost to raise a child today from age zero, from birth, 
to high school graduation, not even counting college. Astounding. Average cost to raise a child today, $300,000. Some of you are here, you're in that 18-year-old. Thank your parents. Uh, That's that's great. Uh, But it's probably going to keep going up. It was absurd to me. I kind of look back at my child and go, I don't think they spent more than like 30 bucks a month on me. I don't know. It could be that. But then I became a parent and I realized, you know, with four kids, and it was, it's, it's amazing how much uh, it costs. Well, money impacts parenting. How, how you want to take care of your kids. How many kids are you going to have? I mean, all those decisions in some ways are made based on money we have or don't have. Um, uh, it it keeps going on. Think about our social life, our spare time. What do you What do you do for your social life? Some of that's dictated by: Do I have the money to fill in the blank? Do I have season tickets? Do I have a sport pass? Can I go skiing when I want to? Uh, do I have another home? Um, you know, all those things are dictated in large part by what I'm able to do financially. Uh, just how we spend our spare time, our social life, the circles we are in. Uh, a lot of times are dictated by what we earn. Um, so, keeps going. <laughs> even, uh, even security, you know, we, we work for X number of years hoping that we've got enough to live out the rest of our life. Um, and we keep living longer. And so it kind of heightens that, that priority or that security or how much money do I need? How much money can I have? When can I retire? Uh, Am I secure? I mean, those are all questions we, we ask as we get older. Um, and then finally, health issues. Um, health issues can, a lot of times are determined by money. Do I have the money to buy health insurance? If I need to go to the doctor, do I go to the doctor every year because it's covered? Or do I not go because I don't have that luxury? Uh, what if I need a surgery for something? Uh, Am I going to go bankrupt because I have this ridiculous cost of surgery that i do not not covered by insurance? Um, so even our very health is determined by money sometimes. Um, well, with that in mind, uh, start with the nature of money. It's, it's a commodity. It is not good or bad on the surface, although sometimes we, again, depends on our background, how we look at it. Maybe we look at it as good or bad uh, money, but... It is neutral in that sense. It's not what we have, not how much we have. It's how we handle it, how we view it, that is really the, uh, the key. Uh, here's a quote from a guy that I'm sure you're all familiar with. His name is Epictetus, first century philosopher. Anybody? Okay. Wealth consists not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. This is a guy born into slavery in 50 A.D. in... Asia Minor, uh, pretty wise comment, especially looking in today's culture, I wonder if our wants are dictated by money versus the other way around. Um, I, I love that idea that if we start with, hey, what do I really need versus what do I want? If I have a few wants, then I, money doesn't have that as, as much power over me or as much influence on me. We live in a culture in America, for the most part, where people spend at least what they earn, if not more, because they want more. They want a bigger house. They want a better car. They want a better job. They want more things. Um, so their wants just keep increasing. 
So all of that uh, money, I just <laughs> want us to know clearly that uh, money influences our lives in a lot of ways. Well, I'm going to kind of focus our time, our thoughts here on, I think, the real issue here. Uh, money is mostly about a right relationship. You know, if we have the right relationship with money and God, you'll see where they go to go together. If we have a right relationship with money, it makes all the difference on whether money is a blessing or a burden. Um, not a matter of what we have, but a matter of being in a right relationship. Um, well, here's a, something I want to highlight, something to chew on here. Your relationship with money reflects your relationship with God. Your relationship with money reflects your relationship with God. Maybe you haven't thought about that, but I think it's, the more we look at this, the more I think it's true. Um, let's start with your relationship with God. Uh, is Jesus your Savior or Lord or both? Is there a difference? Um, do we give everything to God to control? in our life, our time, our resources, our talents, our desires, um, all those things. Is everything in our life under his control or just our spiritual life? Because I think if Jesus is merely, I use that term kind of absurdly, if he's merely your savior, which is everything, but if you limit him to being your savior, then we tend to compartmentalize our lives. We tend to think, well, what... What can I control versus what did I give God to control? And we take different areas of our life. And, you know, Sunday, that's church time. I believe in God. I follow Jesus. But when it comes to my time, my decisions, my money, uh, I wonder if we have the same attitude toward God in those areas. Uh, again, my, uh, <laughs> my story at WSU, I was, I was one of those. I was 18 years old made a commitment to follow Jesus, and I totally, yes, 90% of that was I want a relationship with Jesus, and I want to be saved. I want eternity. I want, but it was a genuine, I want this relationship. But I don't think, honestly, I was really thinking, yeah, and I want him to control my life. <laughs> I kind of wanted to hang on to that as an 18-year-old just going to WSU. I want to kind of make my own decisions about the time I spend, my priorities, relationships, social life, all that kind of stuff. Maybe some of you can relate to that, college students. Um, you know, I had to learn over time, and fortunately it was a short period of time when I crashed and burned because it's really hard to, to have that conflict where he's your savior but he's not your lord. And that was honestly miserable for me for the first six, eight months of college. Well, I think... Same is true about money. Um, what do, ultimately, in all those areas, what do we control versus what do we give control of to God? Uh, because that is at the heart of the daily battle we have between how much I control and how much God controls. It's not like a one-time thing. It's every day we have to decide who's, who's in control here. Who's in control of my time, my money, my, my decision process? And if, if, we're, if we're really focused in wanting that to be God, then that changes the game tremendously. And that's, money may just be one of the most influential things that can take us away from God being in control. Uh, so money is ultimately about control. 
what I'm getting at. Uh, who's, in, who's in charge? Uh, who controls who? What's the source of trust? Uh, I do find it amazing. I mean, think about this. We take it for granted. But every bill we have in our country, every coin says, in God we trust. Isn't that amazing? We live in a country where we put on our money, we trust God. And I, th- I think initially it was a statement of even our finances, our money, we're trusting God in this area. I wonder if that's true today. Uh, I wonder if it's true as a country. Kind of, I think we've lost a lot of that. Um, I think when you go $30 trillion in debt, maybe that is a step of faith. Maybe I'll cover that, but... I suspect it's losing trust that God can be depended on, and we have to use money in an unhealthy way. Uh, well, uh, is it true for us, too? Uh, do we really trust God, or do we trust money to take care of things? Uh, I want to use this analogy. I think it's a, a good one, uh, but I learned much more about it this week. The difference between stewardship and ownership uh, what's the difference? Well, the question is, well, who's, who's it, whose is it anyway? Whose money is it? Who controls it? Um, you know, if they're stewards, uh, well, the easiest way to look at it, steward, what is, what is a steward? If, if it's all gods, then we're, we're stewards. One other word that you could insert there would be like a money manager is a steward. I know we have some financial advisors, money managers in our congregation, and they would tell you, they go through a lot of training. Uh, They're fiduciaries, which means they pledge to work on behalf of their client. They know it's not their money, but they're entrusted with their money. And what's their job as a money manager, financial advisor? They spend a lot of time talking to the owner of the money. Say, what do you want to do with this? What's your goal? What do you want to be in five years, ten years? And then they craft a plan, and they invest it on behalf of the real owner of the money. They know it's not theirs. Uh, well, if they do a good job as a money manager, they get compensated. They get rewarded. They get blessed. And maybe they'll have more to take care of. Uh, maybe they'll be compensated more. I love that image because do we look at God that way with our money? Uh, what a healthy way that would be. Oh, it's all God's money. He's my client. I know what his goals are. I know what he wants me to do with this. I want to honor him. I want to do the things that he wants me to do with the money. And then as a result, I'll be blessed. I can honor him, bless others, and I'll be blessed as a result. The more I have that right view, right relationship uh, with money. Well, let's... uh, (laughs) Let's contrast money under God's ownership or control versus ours. Uh, we talked for the last five weeks about uh, in the series fruit bearing. And the, the, the bottom line in that whole series was, hey, we were destined, we were designed to, to bear fruit. And what is fruit? Fruit is ultimately God's characteristics that come out in our life. If we're in a right relationship with God, we'll naturally produce his characteristics in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those aren't things we produce. Those are God's character that comes out in us because we're connected in a right relationship with him. Well, I just invite us to look at money the same way. What is God's 
you know, if we're in a right relationship with money and a right relationship with God, we'll start to display his characteristics monetarily. What do those look like? Well, God's incredibly generous, uh, sometimes extravagant. Maybe you remember the story where the woman puts the alabaster jar of perfume on Jesus' feet and, and people go, that's a waste of money. No, that's extravagant love. It reflects God's character. That's why Jesus said, every time you hear the gospel, you'll hear about this woman. Because she was expressing God's character in extravagant giving, generosity. God desires to bless people monetarily. God desires to fill needs for people. God desires desires to accomplish justice with money sometimes. Uh, To take care of the poor is a huge priority of God. Wants the church to take care of those around the church. That's, those are God's characteristics when it comes to money. Do we invest for our client that way? Do we look at money that way? Um, here's a quote by Winston Churchill. I like it. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. <laughs> I love that. You know, we all make a living by what we, what we get, some all over the map, but we really make a living. I mean, we make a life by what we give. How do we spend whatever it is we have? How do we look at, how do we treat that money that we have? That determines what kind of life um, we have, a healthy life, a full life. Um, <clears throat> could have picked a number of verses, but I picked this one out of Proverbs. I kind of liked it. Uh, Proverbs nineteen seventeen says this. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. I love that kind of idea. And he will pay back what he has given. Not what he has given, what person has invested and takes pity on the poor. It's basically saying that's, heart, that's the heart of God. God desires his monetarily to take care of the poor. When you do that, when we do that, when we do that as a church, God says, thank you for lending that money. I'm going to pay you back with interest. Because that's God's heart toward giving his heart for taking care of things. In contrast to that would be Malachi 3.8 that says this, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. <laughs> I don't think it's about money, friends. I think it's about control. I think God is saying, hey, if I'm the owner of everything, he doesn't need our tithes and offerings. He can take care of everything he wants to take care of. It's more about, I want you to, to be blessed by being in the right relationship with money and tithing, understanding that it's God's and I'm giving, he asked me to give 10% of it back, trusting him, trust that he'll take care of my needs and, and that 10% plus will go to display who he is to the world. Um, that's why we tithe. Not like, oh God, how much, what's God's budget this year? What does God need from me? No, God needs control. And that's a great way to, to condition us, to treat us what it means to trust God financially. Um, so, there's that. Uh, so yes, our relationship to money does reveal or reflect our relationship to God. Uh, now that verse that gets misquoted all the time, it's actually First Timothy 6.10, it says... For the love of money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Um, 
So it's not money. It's the love of money. It's our attitude toward it. Is it does it control us or do we control it? Um, are we trusting God with it or are we wanting to own it, to control it, to, to desire it uh, in an unhealthy way? Um, if you want to put it this way, the love of money leads to greed, selfishness, robbery, lack of justice. All those things are opposite of God's character. What kind of fruit are we displaying? Well, if, if, we, want, if, if we want to be controlling money or accumulating money just for that sake, then we're going to be displaying characteristics that are opposite of God's heart. Um, well, John 4, 13 and 14 uh, this is the story of the woman at the well. As we touched on this one a couple months ago, but this is where Jesus meets the woman at the well, Samaritan woman, and they're having this great conversation. And she really wants to honor God. She wants to follow God. Um, and Jesus gets to the crux of the matter because he, he reveals to her halfway through their conversation because uh, he said, hey, you need living water. And she goes, oh, well, get... Give me this so I don't have to keep coming back here. Uh, and Jesus says, oh, oh the, he says to her, go and get your husband and we'll, we'll talk more. And well, he knows about her. He said, oh, that's right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Jesus didn't say that to shame her or to convict her. He said it to let her know, I know what you're depending on to satisfy your life. It's relationships. It's not going to work. And so he says this, everyone who drinks this water, and I think he's talking about anything of the world that we might look at to satisfy our thirst, that person will be hungry again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. So for her, for this woman, it was relationships. Uh, We all kind of have our, what it is that satisfies our thirst for life. And for some, it's money. And maybe money has that kind of influence. It's ironic that the people who make the most money are still near the top of the list of those that take their own lives. Uh, why? Because they thought, if I just had enough money, and then they get there, and they realize my life is not what I thought it was going to be because they were focused on what they made, not what their life could be. Um, so there's that. Jesus, uh, Jesus went on, in, uh, put it another way in Mark. Uh, oh, I wanted this little, my own quote, I didn't put it up there. I don't even know who said this. Maybe I made it up, but I, I heard it in college, and I just remembered it. I couldn't find it on the Internet. But probably an old church saying somewhere, but in its old English, it says, if it be things that slay you, what difference if it be things you have or things you have not? I love that. If it be things that slay you, does it make any difference if it's things you have or things you have not? Um, because it's, it's the greed, it's the love of money that's the danger there, not whether you have a lot or, or less. There are a lot of people that uh, are miserable because they can't get what they want. And then there are others that get all they want and they want more. They're never satisfied. So both ends of it can be the same result. But Jesus put it this way in Mark. Um, and maybe I should give a little background here too. This, this is in the middle of the sower and the seed story. We also covered this a few months ago. I don't know if you remember but it talked about a farmer going out to sow his seed and he threw some on the wayside, the hard path. He threw some among the rocks and this is the third soil. Uh, some fell among the thorns and the plant grew up. 
uh, but grew up among the thorns, and the thorns choked the word, and it became unfruitful. And Jesus is explaining that here. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches or wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Well, there's that unfruitful again. If we're designed, if we're destined to bear fruit, to display God's character, if we, if we are distracted by the worries of this world, deceitfulness of wealth, that will choke us off and make us unfruitful. We won't be able to display God's character in our life. We're denying ourselves a full life that God has. Um, so yes, a right relationship with money reflects a right relationship with God. <clears throat> Um, <coughs> Matthew six nineteen, again Jesus talks about money. Talked about it a lot, probably more than just about any other topic. Uh, Jesus talked about money. He says this: <coughs> Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he ends with this line. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I mean, think about that. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. I think we would think, maybe he would say, where your heart is, there will your treasure be. But he didn't say that. Money has such an influence on our life. It says, follow the money. Where your money is, that's where your heart will be. Um, and we kind of like to think, well, no, I love God. I honor God. Well, where's your money? Because um, that's where your heart will be. Um, that's convicting to me. I have to kind of think about that and say, do I follow what I think I'm, you know, my heart is? Um, because where your money is, what you invest in, what he's talking about, and it's not, it's not how much you have again, it's your view of that. And he ends, uh, I'll end, he spoke again in Luke, Luke twelve fifteen. he says this. He said to them, Take heed. Beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. (laughs) Then God said to him, fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So it is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Friends, it's not about money, it's about control. It's about who do we trust? Who do we honor uh, with our life? Uh, money's meant to be used, spent, enjoyed in a right relationship. Um, but we have to have that relationship first. Paul, I'll end with this one. Paul says this in Philippians. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secrets of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned the secret. (laughs) I think the secret is 
I trust God. I believe God has my best in mind. I need to trust him and not the other things that I lean on to make my life work, make my life full. Um, you know, I, I can relate to that. When I was 35 years old, four kids, uh, hit a financial bomb, if you will. I was bankrupt. I was in dire need, had nothing. And, uh, you know, I was tested with this. You know, it's like, seriously? I thought things were supposed to go great. Um, but it was more about God's, God didn't do that with me. God didn't allow that to happen in my life to punish me in any way. But I look back on it and I say, that was, that was really one of the toughest times in my life, but also a key time in my life where I had to say, okay, I trust you. In the midst of this situation, the secret is I trust you to take care of me. And God did. Um, Sometime I'll tell you that story. It's a miraculous story. Um, wish I had time to, to share it, but I'll just tell you. <laughs> Could have decided to do one of several things. I said, okay, I'll trust you on this one. And he, okay, that's all I needed. I just needed to know that you were putting your life in my hands. Now I'll see what I can do. Um, that would be my, my ending. I want to I close today just by giving you kind of four Takeaways, not questions. You could, I'd love to have you spend some time thinking about this. Uh, it was convicting for me. Uh, it was encouraging in some ways for me. Um, just going through this, but I encourage you to think about the four major things we just talked about. Number one, your relationship with money reflects your relationship with God. Uh, invite us, encourage us to think about what is, how would you describe your relationship with money? Is it a healthy relationship? Is it a it's got some edges to it. I don't know. Um, but it does reflect our relationship with God. Number two, stewardship versus ownership. Whose money is it? Uh, do I look at God as my client, as the one who owns everything, and he's asking me to take care of wealth I have, whatever level it is, to honor him um, on his behalf? And then third, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, very different than money is the root of all. I think money is incredible opportunity for a lot of things if we're in a right <laughs> relationship with it. And finally, where your money is, there will your heart be also. Um, those, are, those are kind of the four takeaways. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.